Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. Join us now as Pastor Keith Moore shares today's message. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you, and uh, we're going to jump right into God's Word in just a moment. We, um, uh, quick story. Have you heard how um, Bill and Barb McBride's life group uh, cared for our uh, our friends Doug and Jerry Welch this week. You know that tragic uh, death of their 32 year old daughter a week ago Friday, and uh, I got the call early in the afternoon and uh, went straight to their home. And when I got there, uh, their life group members were already there with them. Bill McBride, the group leader, was there. Barb came in. Uh, quickly, um, uh, Jerry's prayer partner and um, had already been there uh, to, to be with them. They started coming and they walked with them through all this week of horrible grief. Thursday night we uh, gathered for the funeral services of their daughter Hope and uh, stood to speak. The whole center section right behind them were all the members of their uh, their life group. This morning, um, Doug and Jerry boarded a plane to fly home to Connecticut, home place there for a, another memorial service uh, up there uh, today or tomorrow. I can't remember which. Their group members loaded them up and got them to the airport before they came to church today. Listen, that just when that's how we that's how we do it here at Dogwood. That's how we. Fulfill one of the ways we fulfill that love people part of our mission that God's uh, given us. And so way to go. Yay, God. Way to go, McBride Life Group. It's one of the reasons I say to all of you, get in a life group. Because our church is already too big to catch up with you. Some of you have already played that little game where you come and you had a hard, you're having a hard time. You're not in a group, but you come to worship services. And, you know, there's only like 800 to 1,000 people in this room on Sunday mornings. And so, you know, and, and you're in rows. You're, you're, we're not, it's not designed to check on each other here. We're designed to connect to God. And so nobody knows. You don't tell anybody. Nobody's you're not in the group. Nobody's praying for you. And then so you're sad you don't come the next week. Nobody calls. Why? Can we tell you're not here? Say it one, one two, three. No, no, no. And then you say, hmm, see, they don't care about me. I'm, I'm never going back. There's a Greek word for that. Baloney. It's, it's not wise. You see, but we're, we're so weird as human beings that we can do that. I can play that old poor me thing when I've just been disobeying God and not being in fellowship and then sort of, you know, see, God is God. He knows everything, but we're not Him. There's already one of those, Him. We, you know, and we're, He's, omniscient. He knows everything. We don't know much. We know less than we think we know. And so you got to get in a group. And yeah, yeah, that happens every week, multiple times. Our group's taking care of each other. Uh, Way to go. Way to go. You're going to have an opportunity a little later in the fall uh, to check out group life um, beginning about the end of September, 
Pastor JB, last Sunday of September, last week of September, I believe, we kick off our fall spiritual growth campaign. It's called The Gospel Revolution, and you'll have an opportunity to get in a group. Try it out for uh, seven or eight weeks just to, if you've not been in one. And if you need to re-up, kind of get a jump start, that'll be a great time to do it. But you don't have to wait until then. Don't have to wait until then. This is one of the ways that God has arranged. He could have done it all kind of ways, but it's one of the ways that God has arranged for human beings to have life as it was intended. The life that was created for us to experience. Everybody, everybody that I know, everyone I know wants to have a good life, right? Right? I mean, Michael, I don't know. There may be some, but I don't know. I've never met a person who started out saying, I'm planning on a miserable existence. I haven't. Now, there may be a few, but I would say they might be in the minority of human beings. We want to have a good life. We want to have a, a fulfilling life, a meaningful life. We all know this is the only one we're going to have, and so we want it to be good. Um, and those of us, I mean, even the most self-centered of us realize that it would be a good idea for the other people around us in the world, at least some of those around us, to have a good life also. Because when we think of, even if we're just totally self-centered, we know that we would reason that if people, all, if other people have a good life, a life that is fulfilling, a life that is meaningful, then it'll be a little easier for me to have one. I mean, again, again, if you're just totally self-centered, uh, most of us human beings have at least a handful of people that we really, that we wish well, don't we? I mean, we want, we want uh, their days on this earth, uh, we want it to be well with them is the way the Scripture says. Uh, that it may go be well with them and their days be long on the earth. We've all got people in our circle that we want life to be well for them and their days be long on, on the earth. Well, so... If we all now we may disagree on the definition of a good life and how to get it. We may we may have different definitions of what is what makes for happiness, what makes for fulfillment, what makes my my life uh, good. We we may disagree on that, but I doubt that we disagree on the goal that we want a good life. Now, we Christians believe most of us here are probably Christians today, not everyone, but we Christians believe that this life that we've always wanted is in Jesus. It's found in Christ, that He is the source of life, that life is in Him, and He is the creator of life, and the giver of life that is really life is the way He described it. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. It means overflowing. It means more than you can contain. It, a literal translation is that you may have life upon life, life upon life. And uh, the picture of an artesian well in the, in the arid region of Palestine, that you, your life might be like that well, that not only do you have water, but it is flowing, it is overflowing, it is more than you can contain. We Christians believe that Jesus is the way to have that kind of life, here and in eternity, and in eternity. And so if we have people that, uh, if we want to have a good life, then the question comes, how do I know how to get it? 
And if there are people that we want to experience life upon life, how are they going to know how to get it? Somebody needs to tell us. Somebody needs to tell us. Somebody needs to tell them. It reminds me of the scriptures that we read earlier in the service, the Gospel of John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Take a look at them again. This is the Word of God. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. God sent someone to tell the Jews about Jesus. See, in this, in this passage, we see that uh, it really in the first 18 verses of the Gospel of John, we find that John the Apostle really tells us everything. He introduces Jesus to us, who He is, how He came, what He accomplished. He, he summarizes all of the person and work of Jesus in, in 18 short verses. It's called the prologue of the Gospel of John. And then, you, then he fleshes it out all the way uh, through the book. How many of you had to take a speech class in high school or college? Raise your hand. How many just loved it? Nah. And only people like me. It was my favorite class. But, um, uh, you know, some, you'll hear that somebody trying to teach you how to do public speaking, and they'll say that wonderful thing. They think they're going to help you. And they say, well, you stand up and you tell them what you're going to tell them, and then you tell them, and then you tell them what you told them. Now, did that help you at all? It didn't help me at all. I needed a little explanation. But now, John the Apostle, when he wrote the Gospel of John, that's exactly what he did. In the first 18 verses, he told us what he is going to tell us. And then the rest of the book, he expanded it and wrapped it up in the last little bit, the last chapter of the book. And so he told us in the first five verses, he announced the astounding identity of Jesus, answering the question that people have been asking since Jesus was born and up to today, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who do people say that I am? Jesus even asked the same question. And John, in the first five uh, verses of this chapter, tells us that he is no less than the pre-existent, eternal, second person of the Trinitarian God, God the Son, and God Almighty Himself, who poked a hole in the roof of creation that He created and stepped down and came to earth in the form of a man to show us who He was and what He's like and how we could have life upon life in Him, in Him. And we believe what John said about Jesus. Uh, found in John chapter 20, verse 31. Take a look at it on the screen. John chapter 20. Verse 31, these things are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in His name. And so God knew that if Jesus was the meaning of life, the source of life, the reason for life, the giver of life upon life, then people needed to be ready for His coming. And so we find in verse 6, there was a man named John. Now, this can be a little confusing 
because the Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John in verse 6, he speaks of a man named John. Now, he's not describing himself here. He's describing the person we know as John the Baptist. John was the son of a priest named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, somewhat of a miraculous uh, birth. Uh, we're going to talk about him at Christmas time. He was the distant cousin of our Lord Jesus. Elizabeth, his mother, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were cousins. He was born six months prior to our Lord Jesus. And he was set apart by God to prepare the way for the Lord to come. He became a, a prophet type. He was not your average run-of-the-mill uh, Israeli running around. He, God set him apart. He spent most of his time in the wilderness. He dressed funny. He ate a strange diet. And he was a real in-your-face up front. And people were fascinated with him. You know, we're always fascinated with the sensational, aren't we? That's why they're... That's, that's, uh, you don't get the sensational here. It's just an old stiff white preacher. So, uh, but you know, I'm pretty much like you. But John was not like us, and he was set apart by God. He was sent. A man was named John, and look, it's, he was sent from God. Sent from God. And that word "sent" there means commissioned. It means ordered. It means deployed. It means assigned. It means get after it. No questions asked. It, it means focused. He was sent from no less than God the Father, our Lord. And he was sent from God to tell us, to testify about Jesus the light. Now, he sent a man. God sent a man. When he knew, he knew that the Jews would need to know Jesus was about to come and uh, that they would need to hear about this. But he wanted he wanted as many people possible to be spiritually ready to respond to Jesus when he came. And so people started coming out to John because he was preaching and calling people to repent of their sins. And scores and scores and scores, multitudes, the Bible says multitudes, multitudes and multitudes of people heard about John and they were going out to the region of the Jordan River where he was preaching to hear him and he was telling them, prepare your hearts, repent of your sins, the kingdom of God is near. There is one coming after me. And so people were repenting of their sins and as an outward sign of their turn coming back to God, he would baptize them in the Jordan River. Thus he got his nickname, John the Baptist. I think we need to call him John the Witness because you see him witnessing every time in Scripture, witnessing to uh, Jesus. And so he was so fascinating, people would begin to ask, who are you? Are you the Messiah? He said, no, 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 no. And he, he quoted God from hundreds of years before. See, God prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus came that He was going to come, that the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, the one who could bring life upon life, usher in the kingdom of God, the rule of God in the hearts of men was going to come, and that He would, to prepare people, send a forerunner, send a front man, send a herald to, to tell people, He's about here. And John uh, the Baptist quoted when they asked him, Are you him? Nope. Malachi chapter 3 Verse 1, about 450 years before the birth of Jesus, God prophesied to Malachi and He wrote it down, these words, See, I'm going to send my messenger 
and He will clear the way before me. Then the Lord you seek will suddenly come to His temple. The messenger of the covenant you desire, see, He is coming, says the Lord of hosts. And then about 800 years or so before the birth of Jesus, God prophesied through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 through 5, the words you see on the screen. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Anybody here work for the Department of Transportation? Anybody ever here had a summer job where you're working on the county road crew? Anybody? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, uh, brother, then you, you, this is the metaphor he's using to describe the function of John. It's road building. Uh, he's saying, I, I compare what I'm trying to do. I'm going to make it easy for Jesus to get into your hearts. Just like he said, I'm going to make it easy for people to travel from one place to another. Every valley shall be filled. He's talking about building roads rather than having to hike in the mountains. Anybody ever sung or heard? Have you ever heard uh, Handel's Messiah? You know the chorus? Every valley shall be filled. Every valley shall be filled. Anybody ever heard that? I just sung it right now. I just did it. Just, <laughs> just right now. Well, they're singing about this. This verse is the prophecy. He said, we're going to either build a bridge or we're going to fill up the valley, make the roads. Every mountain, every mountain and hill shall be brought low. And the rough. No, I've never got that. That's that. But you, you've, you've heard it. So when you hear that chorus this Christmas, you'll know he's singing Isaiah 40, the prophecy that God was going to send a front man, a forerunner, a herald to prepare the Jewish people. He is... He is almost here. And so when people ask John, now who are you? He quoted those two verses and he said, that would be me. That would be me. That would be me. God sent him uh, as a, and he came as a witness to testify about the light so all might believe through him. He knew God knew people needed to be told. So he sent John as a witness. And he told them. He was the first person to tell people about Jesus. And he did so so that all might believe through him. Now we'll find if you read Matthew chapter 3, first or second chapter of Mark, I can't remember exactly, and then the last uh, first couple of chapters here in the book of John, you, you, you read the whole story about his ministry. And you'll find that he was preaching and one day Jesus came to where he was. And he stopped and he pointed to everybody, Look! Here's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I've been telling you about. Follow him. Follow him. Follow him. And people began to follow him. He was the first to tell so that all people might believe through Him. You know, in a, and, and here's the sense of, what do you mean all people? I believe in Him, but I didn't hear from, from John. Yeah, but you heard because of John. He was the first ever 
witness to testify about Jesus to other people and point them to Jesus. And some of the people believed and followed him. And then they began to go as witnesses and tell other people about Jesus. And they believed and they began to follow Jesus. And then they began to tell other people about Jesus. And they, some of them believed and they began to follow Jesus until one day down through the centuries, you're sitting around minding your own business and God sent somebody to you as a witness to tell you about Jesus. And you met Him. And in that sense, every one of us who has believed about Jesus and believed in Jesus and have, and have life upon life in His name, we do so because of John. All believed because of Him. So the Apostle John wrote that God, knowing that Jesus was coming and that life is in Him, sent a man named John who came as a witness to testify that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that you can have life by believing in His name. So, here's the big point. If there are people in your life that you love and you want them to have life upon life in Christ, life as it was really intended, the life they were created by God to experience in this life, in the next, you had better tell them. You better tell them. And if you're an unbeliever, and God has been graciously sending people to you, and you're trying to find a life that's clean and beautiful and something that'll bring meaning, you better listen to them. You better start listening to them. Christians should tell people about Jesus, and unbelievers should listen. Should listen. And let me give you some implications about that. Um, first of all, to you Christians, all of most of us here are Christians again, but to, to those of us who are already followers of Jesus, jot this down, jot this down. Um, you are already sent by God as a witness. Write down the word sent in big letters on your note sheet there. You are a sent person, already sent by God. Now, all, all Christians are to be the light of the world. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. It's going to be on the screen here, I think, in just a moment. There it is. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, Jesus Himself commissioned us already in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. He said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, He said, Go and preach, go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Start Starting where you are now and to the ends of the earth, more and better followers of Christ here and around the world. All Christians are already sent by God, commissioned by God, obligated to God, assigned by God, ordered by God. So you don't have to pray. If you're a Christian, you don't have to pray anymore. You don't have to pray anymore. Lord, do you want me to share my faith? You don't have to. He's already told you. What are you praying for? Stop praying. Go. Stop praying. Go. You don't have to wait on God. You don't have to pray and say, oh, Lord, would you send somebody to my mama? He said, what do you mean send somebody? Good, you go. 
the minute you find yourself praying that God would send somebody to somebody else, guess who He's sending? You. Now, I'm a great fan. I'm a fan of St. Francis of Assisi. I am. Read his life, study his life. He's fascinating. Except one thing. He's got this famous quote, and you'll hear it from time to time, and it goes something like this. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, use words. You ever heard that? Anybody heard that? So, oh, people say, oh, listen to this. I've heard, Dave, you've heard it, read it, conferences, and people go, oh, it just touches my heart. I want to stand up and say, what in the honk does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean when possible use words? That's not what Jesus said. He said, be talking about me. I mean, we, if he hadn't written it down in words, you wouldn't know about Jesus. If he had, so, so somebody just walked up to you and sat by you and didn't say a thing, and he went, oh, Jesus. Right? Is that how you get? No. No. Somebody said, I love St. Francis of Assisi. He missed it on that one. Now, I know what he's meaning. So he's meaning that we're to be living a real life so that people can see Christ in us. But you can't lead somebody to Christ without telling them. Somebody's got to tell them. Christians, you are already sent by God. Second thing, Christians, I want you to understand is this. Or I want to ask you to do this. Write down these words. Be open. Be open. Here's what I mean by that. Be open to the unique call of God on your life to the ministry. While God sends all Christians to be witnesses, to testify to Jesus, to be the light of the world, He sets aside many for a special assignment to be pastors, to be ministers, to be missionaries. And He's doing that with some of you. He's doing that with some of you. God, He did it. That's what He did with me. God spoke, did with me like He did Jeremiah, the prophet, in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Take a look at it. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And see, for many, so for some of you here, especially some of you young people, some of you high school students, some of you kids, some of you college students, some, uh, young adults. Hey, some of us older adults. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. And before you were born, He already assigned you to be a pastor, a minister, a preacher of the gospel, a minister, a missionary. And so be open. Don't assume that what you are now doing is to be your vocation for the rest of your life. Be open. Be open. Now, you say, well, okay, well, pastor, what do I do? I've not been telling people. Well, here's what you do. Christians, first of all, you repent. You repent of your sin. You repent of your sin of silence, of not going as a witness to testify about Jesus as He has already sent you. You admit it to God and you ask for His forgiveness. And He will. And He will. A second act of repentance is this. You identify the people that He sent to you to tell you about Jesus and you thank them. Now we're going to do that now. This is what the phone's for. Take out your cell phone. 
Take out your cell phone, and this is what I want you to do. You, you can take some time and think through all the people. I, w- I, ha- I was a wealthy man, Bill, and spiritually, because I, God sent many people from Him to me to testify about Jesus to me. Both my grandmothers, Sarah Jane Moore, Imogene Propes, both my parents ver- verbally, um, Bobby Moore and Rose Moore, my pastors, uh, Dr. Grover Tyner, who baptized me, great IBM missionary to the Philippines. He left our church and went to the Philippines and taught in the seminary there for about 40 years. Uh, many, many people, many, many people, many, many people. And so I, who, who do he send to you, you Christians? Who do he send? I want you to think of one, one that's maybe you've got access to with your phone, and here's what we're going to do. Let's thank them right now. Let's thank them. Here's... here's I've got a, here's the one I'm going to thank. God sent to me to witness to me about Christ a high school buddy named Mike. And I'm going to text him here. You can go ahead and beat me. I don't have educated thumbs. Mine are not well trained, Mark. But um, I'm going to text him. I have his, I have his contact information. He lives in another city. You go ahead and, and pick yours. Go ahead and pick yours. And here's what, here's what I'm going to say. I'm just going to very simply say, God sent you to tell me about Jesus. Period. Thank you. That's, that's all you have to say. God sent you to tell me about Jesus. Thank you. Okay. There's mine. How you doing? How you doing? Anybody? Who, who, who had their phone and were able to do that right now? Yeah, there you go. Some of you won't be able to get to your email or your phone until later, but do it. That, that's, what, that's repentance. It's turning our heart. It's acknowledging Here's a third thing that repentance looks like for us Christians. It means that we cease our silence and we begin to intentionally develop a lifestyle of telling the people in our world about Jesus. Don't you have somebody in your immediate family, your close friends, your extended family, your relatives, your co-workers, your classmates, uh, your neighbors, your acquaintances, that you want them to have this life that is, the, that is really life here and in eternity. Don't you want that? Don't you want them to have that? Then start telling them. Start telling them. Some of you would say, I want to, but I don't know how. I'm, I'm a little uncertain about how. Anybody? Well, good. We're good then. We're good. Really? No, no, no. It's, it's, this is, it's okay to be, my, again, I quote my dad all the time in several different settings and contexts he said to me, and it applies to this one, it's okay to be ignorant. It's okay not to know. It's just not okay to stay there. It's okay not to know how to effectively tell other people about new life in Jesus. It's just not okay to intentionally choose to remain ignorant. So, I'm going to uh, the first few three or four Wednesday nights in September. I'm going to teach a class called 
How to Tell People About Jesus 101. We're going to kind of try to hide the, you know, be very subtle here. How to Tell People About Jesus 101. And so repentance for you may mean signing up for the class. It's going to cost five bucks for the materials, and we're just going to walk through that. Now, there are two groups of people here, so I want you to take your card. There's, there are those of you here who are hesitant because it seems hard to you. Now, if just I'm going to surprise you. You know, that's the group I'm in, and that's the group I've always been in. It's not been easy, and I've not always been eager to tell people about Jesus. I've done it out of obedience, then when I do it, I'm full of joy. But I learned from the perspective of a person who was hesitant because it was hard. So if you don't really want to be telling people about Jesus, I'm your guy to learn from. And so I want you to write on your card, hesitant. And that'll just, on your communication card, that'll just let me know, okay, I need to learn, I need to learn how to do this from, and I'm starting way back here. I'm hesitant, not because I don't care about people. I just don't know how. doesn't come easy for me. Got it? Got it? Okay, second group, there, there's a smaller percentage of our church family who, who are eager and find it easy to tell other people about Jesus, don't you? There's men, there's a, it's a smaller percentage, but a significant percentage. I need to know who you are. Because we're, because I need to, we need to put some, I need to aim you a little bit so that we get better at this. So I need to know who you are. I, I'm eager and it's easy for me. I'm looking at two guys I already know right now. But there's, there are more of you. There are more of you. Just write down eager on your card. That's all I need to know. I'll set it aside and sometime in the weeks to come, we'll get together with everybody that it's easy and we're eager to do it and we'll turn you loose. How's that? Okay. Now, for those of you who are unbelievers, if you become convinced that, okay, I do believe, I, I think Jesus is the way, I think He is the one who gives life, then what does repentance look like for you? Well, here's what it looks like for you. Start listening. Start listening. God has graciously been sending people to you all your life and you've been either graciously or maybe not so graciously turning them off, pushing them away, rejecting them, slamming the door in their face. Well, repentance looks like this. Admit it to God and ask for forgiveness because He's been gracious to you. He's been gracious to you. And then second thing, this is where you can use your cell phone. You don't have to use it here because kind of, you'd kind of stick out. Hey, there's this one guy down here and he's been pushing everybody away. No, just wait. <laughs> just wait. Wait till you're alone. But I want you to think of, of all the people who, who have been sent from God to you to tell you about new life in Jesus. I want you to think of the person you trust the most. The one that you trust the most. I mean, you know they love you and, and you know they care about you. You trust them the most. You think they're legit. Well, I want you to email or text them this message. And this is what repentance would look like. Hey, can we get together and talk? You don't even have to tell them what about. You can if you want to. You're, what you're saying is, I'm listening now, God. 
and let them tell you how to meet Jesus. That makes sense? That makes sense? That's where we are. That's where we are. Okay. Everybody got their communication card? You've already written your stuff on there? Major commitments, that kind of thing? Good. Hang on to those. We're going to turn those in in just a moment. I'm going to ask all of our musicians to join me on the platform really quickly, wherever you are all over the auditorium. Come on up here, guys. And um, we're going to celebrate what this great God has done. Our God is great. He is great because He's not only made a way for us in Christ to have uh, life to the fullest and life eternal, but He has been so great in that He sends people from Him to us as witnesses to testify about Jesus, the light of the world, so that all who believe in Him can move from darkness to light and from death to life. He is a great God. And we're going to stand, I'm going to pray and we're going to stand and we're going to worship Him. You stand as I pray. And so, Lord, we do give you thanks. We do praise you. We do magnify you. Thank you that you loved us so much that you not only sent your son, you sent people to tell us about him. And we worship you now. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.